Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And I can tell you, I already know we are going to have so much fun today based simply on looking at my guest's website, looking at the really fun pictures that she has on there. And we'll kind of talk a little bit more later on about why that's important. But it really is going to be something that I know we're going to learn a lot but in a great way, not this, this is how you do business and this is, yeah, yeah, we've heard all that, right? We've read the books, been there, done that, and it's still not quite clicking in on how we can truly make our businesses successful. And I know that entrepreneurs and business owners struggle with this all the time. So that's why I was so excited to have our guest on today. So please join me in welcoming Pia Silva to our program. Welcome. Thank you so much, Deb. It's wonderful to be here with you. You know, it really is going to be a lot of fun. And and truly, you know, when I was reading your book, when I was looking at your website, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a fun program. <laughs> but it's informative, you know, which is obviously the, the most important thing. Um, but, you know, let me tell people about you and then we'll really jump into this. So entrepreneur, speaker and writer Pia Silva is a partner and brand strategist at Worst of All Design, where they build badass brands without the BS for one to three person service businesses in one to three day intensives. She is a Forbes contributor and has spoken at a host of entrepreneurial organizations, including Goldman Sachs, 10,000 small businesses and the Million Dollar Women's Summit. And she has been featured on MSNBC's Your Business. Her company was named Top 10 Design Firms Led by Young People That Are Changing the Way We Look at the World by Complex. Her book, Badass Your Brand, Impatient Entrepreneur's Guide to Turning Expertise into Profit, launched in March of 2017. So again, Pia, welcome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You know, and it was funny, we were talking off the air and I said, oh my gosh, you know, that word, I don't always say that word, but... That's part of, and the, by the word, I mean the badass word. <laughs> that is, you know, the, the more I read about you, the more I read about your philosophy on how to do business and, and, and truly be successful. That's the only word that you can use because it really gets the, the point across as to what it is because we don't want to be mediocre business. We don't want to be average. We don't want to be, Hey, I'm just like everybody else. We have to be badasses in this world. And you know what? If people don't like that, well, then they just need to go somewhere else anyway. Yeah, it's a big part of the word. And, and it actually came out in a very organic way, too, um, because I was just trying to figure out what is really the thing that people are coming to us for. Mm -hmm. And it was a bit of an excited utterance with my business coach um, a long, long time ago, years uh -huh. ago. <laughs> he just kept prodding me. You know, I said, why do people want to work with you guys? I don't know, because we're really good at design, because we're real. I don't know. They just want to be a badass, mm -hmm. he said. That's, That's a it. word. And I said, even at the time, I mean, <laughs> I was like 
can I really say that? Like, what if my mother's <laughs> listening? <laughs> I know. And it's kind of, it's really, um, I think it was so authentic that it's also really evolved with us mm-hmm. because it is, it really does cut to the heart of what we're trying to help other people mm-hmm. do and understand. And I don't say it lightly. You know, right. I think a lot of people use the word in mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, markety, try to get your attention mm-hmm. uh, way. But to me, it really exemplifies the kind of guts that I'm looking for in the people that I work with and, and the guts that it takes to really build a brand that stands out from the crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, and what you say is so true because it does take guts, you know, and, and because it's really easy to go along with the crowd, to do what everybody else is doing. You know, I've, I've done that. I've thought, ooh, I like how that website looks. I want mine to look like that too. You know, or I've had clients do that. Or, I mean, you can tell they've almost cut and pasted the content from something to something else. You know, Vistaprint makes a bazillion dollars a year by having the, the business cards that all look the same. You know, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say Vistaprint. I mean, you know, companies like that. And, and yes, it does make it easy, you know, especially for people who, who are new or struggling or things like that. But I, I, you know, when it comes down to it, we don't want to do business with somebody that, you know, is just like everybody else, right? We want to do business with people who are unique and, you know, or their product or their service is unique. You know, if, if I could just get it from anybody, I will. And there's obviously, there's lots of products that are like that out there, but you still look for what makes it special, what makes it unique. Yeah. And I think, um, also finding the right clients is about mm-hmm. owning your whatever is badass about you. And, you know, I've done the same thing. I mean, I was, I call it a me too brand. I was mm-hmm. copying other agencies for a while as well. Um, and it, it's easier in the sense that you don't have to put yourself out there as much, but right. it's much harder because it's very hard to close clients and attract the right clients when you look like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's just an inherent part of, of becoming an entrepreneur. You learn from doing and you copy what you see, and then it takes the guts to change over into, okay, now that I've I've got some some experience under my belt. Let me see where I can really shine and thrive. And then I have to have the guts to actually put that into action and stop doing all the me too stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and you said the keyword, it's easy to be like everybody else. And <sighs> confession time. As I was reading your book, I was thinking, oh, uh, yeah, I've fallen into that trap. And, and then worse, I was thinking, what does make me special? What makes me unique? And, and I kind of drew some blanks. You know, and, and so then it's like, okay, well, we'll just go back to where we were because that was nice and that was safe. Mm. And I love how you work with companies, but you know, to, to really help them develop this and, and that, you know, that, that special, really unique, sweet spot. But talk to us a little bit about your background because you said, you know, it's, it's the me too type of, of the way you've done your business. Tell us, you know, where you started and, and how it has evolved into what it is now. Sure. Well, so I think I have a pretty unique background in this space, particularly because most people who own a branding company 
used to work at an agency right. and they went out on their own. Mm-hmm. And I am the opposite. Um, I didn't know anything about graphic design or branding when mm-hmm. we started this company. Um, I actually started because my then fiance, now husband was a, uh, is a very talented artist and mm-hmm. painter and also graphic designer. And I said at some point, you know what? I'm very entrepreneurial. Um, I've always worked for myself anyway. And I said, well, maybe we should give this a go and I'll just get the clients for your work. So mm-hmm. instead of you managing your own freelance work, let mm-hmm. me manage it. And right. this way I can also be in charge of the money. And I think I could make more money off right. of you than mm-hmm. you can make off of yourself. Right. Because he's a left brain, right brain, whatever exactly. the artistic side would be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. We're very different in that way. Um, and so I started from scratch. I had no background in this. And I actually, we evolved from a graphic design business into a branding business out of complete necessity for our own business. Mm -hmm. We actually learned how important it was to differentiate ourselves in order to get clients. And as we learned that, we turned around and realized that that was where the real value was and that our clients desperately needed that as well. And Mm -hmm. that by just doing graphic design for them, we were actually doing them a disservice because their actual problem could only be solved with the branding component as well. So I I have learned everything I know on the job, doing it for myself and for my clients successfully, and that's why I know it works. Mm-hmm. And I think that a big problem in this industry specifically and with the whole elusive definition of branding in general is that there are so many people coming from big agencies and then becoming a small small freelancer trying to apply big agency tactics to very small businesses and it doesn't apply so easily. Right. So, um, so that's the perspective that I bring. Mm-hmm. You know, and you and, and your husband with your firm, you were basically at the getting ready to close your door stage, you know, and, and, and then you had these epiphanies and thought, now, wait a minute, you know, and, and I love that because, you know, so many times we look at someone and especially, you know, like when I read your bio, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're fabulous. You have, but you know, you <laughs> learned and you failed. You know, everybody who thinks, well, we don't want to fail. I'm sorry. That's usually the best way that you learn. Um, you know, and unfortunately you didn't completely fail, but you learned this is not working. And so the really important thing that you learned is why not? And, and we have to stop it. It's, it's not going to get better. I mean, you know, we're not the hamster in the cage that just keeps trying and trying and trying. Yeah, it's definitely failure is the only way to success. I have learned that painfully many times over the years. I continue to learn that. I mean, I, I fail constantly because if you're trying new things, you're failing. Right. It's not possible not to. So you have to get comfortable with that. And it's such a cliche until you're in it and you're mm-hmm. failing again and again. It's really easy to say, but you know, I've failed at something very recently that I had to remind myself, this is where the good stuff happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. but it will happen. And I I have to really have faith in that and and actually continue because as you said, well, you didn't fail completely. You can only fail completely when you give up. That's mm-hmm. my right. That's you know that's mm-hmm. my feeling about it. So as long as you're aware of that, you can always find the gold, you know, the silver lining, the golden nugget that mm-hmm. you can pull from that experience. And actually, that's usually the seed for the new thing. That's amazing. Right. Because hopefully there really was something in there that that you can take forward and go. Okay. Well this did work or, Ooh, I could see where this would work or, you know, all of those various things. Yeah, exactly. You know, and there's just so many things. I'm not even exactly sure where to start on, on all of this because (laughs) it really was something that, you know, as, as I was reading, I was thinking, 
oh my gosh, you know, and because I am that agency background, you know, all of these various things. And, and I think the problem tends to be that in the world, we have the cookie cutters, you know, and, and we try and make everything fit into the cookie cutters. You know, it, it's for the same reason, like, like we said, when we were starting out, that's the easy way to do it. So, you know, this is when we start going through the process of creating our business or working with someone to create our business. It's like they have this checklist. Well, first you have to create a logo and then you have to create a website and then you have to do this and this and this and this and this. And somewhere what really got lost was what are you doing? What is the product or the service that you provide? And I love the fact that you talk about how to find that product that is unique, that sets you apart, and really then becomes the key, the diamond, the whatever it is. I'm saying diamond because your your logo is a diamond. <laughs> right. Um, that is is and and it may be that you get down to one. You know, and and I think that's the problem when we're an entrepreneur when we're first starting out. We think I have to sell to everyone. Because everyone is my market and I have to be everything to everyone. And of course, that's the absolute worst way to, to proceed. Yeah. And I think that also comes out of fear. And I've mm-hmm. certainly felt that when you are strapped for cash, when you don't know where your next client is coming from, of course, you don't want to turn people right. off, especially people who could potentially hire you. Mm-hmm. That's the worst. Seems that's like, seems like the worst thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you don't understand is that long term, uh, you're just, you're always going to be stuck in that mm-hmm. position if you don't take a stand and, and own something. And I have found, you know, in my own experience, personally branding my business, that being able, for example, to only focus on one to three person service businesses. Mm-hmm. Of course, we can brand product businesses. We've done it before, mm-hmm. um, but I don't. But I don't take product businesses. You know why? Because I'm able to be so much more specific about my uh, about you know the advice that I give and the ways that I talk. My book is very specific. Mm-hmm when it talks about branding in a way that I don't think a lot of branding books are because they want it to apply to everyone. And I'm saying this doesn't apply to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I get people with product businesses reading my book and saying they got a lot out of it. And that's great. But I still won't work with you because I just, (laughs) you're just not my absolute best, you know, highest value. I'm not the, the expert in products. So I don't, it's no reason for me to do it. Let someone else do it, Mm -hmm. you know? And and there are people who are really good at that. So they can go to them. And I would love for them. And I think they should go to them because uh, someone who's really great at branding a product will bring insights to a project that I can't mm-hmm. bring. Right. Um, and vice versa. You know, if you go to a, an agency that does everything, they're not going to have the insights that I have into a small service business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I bring information that it might not even seem relevant, but it is very useful to have in the room when you're mm-hmm. building the brand. Right. You know, and, and developing that target market, I think, is the absolute hardest thing for a business owner, whether they're, you know, they, they're starting out today or, you know, have been in business for many years. Because again, we, we think, well, I, I have to make the most money I can. You know, we want this. <laughs> and, you know, of course, the problem is that you can't serve everybody well, you know, and, and I've talked about that numerous times on the program. Everyone is not your client. I don't care who you are or what service you provide. Everyone is not your client. I mean, even Starbucks, even Walmart, all of the, the big guys know 
they're not going to reach everybody. So they don't, even, they don't even waste their time trying to reach them. You know, and, and so finding that target market, and, and I'm going to read this again from your bio. You work with one to three person service businesses in one to three day intensives. That's it. You know, so you're talking about your target market is one to three person service businesses. And then the, the one to three day intensives is the product. But you know, it, it's scary. I mean, we, we said that word a couple of times. It is really scary to get down to a very, very niche market. Um, and so how do you work with people to get them past that fear to see this really is what's going to, to be the best place for me? It's a great question. It's it's one of my biggest jobs, actually, is to psychologically help people get over that hump and get over that fear. Um, my process for doing that is, first of all, we don't work with startups because the strategies that I employ tend to rely on previous experiences. Okay. So you... You could only have had a few clients, but you have to come to me with at least a few clients because we need some real world data. Right. Mm-hmm. We need some information about who you've worked with. And then when I think of who your ideal clients are, what I'm really talking about are who are the clients where you provide the most value, mm-hmm. where you love working with them, where mm-hmm. they're going to get the best result from you. Those are ideal clients because those are the ones who have the opportunity to be the most profitable for your business. Mm-hmm. So the way that I help people get over the psychological hump of going from, you know, everything for everyone to specific for a specific group is by helping them understand how it's leveraging their time best. Mm -hmm. So if you focus on this group and you're the expert for this group and you're providing the best value and they're getting the best value and you're able to charge much more to them, then every time you say no to a lesser value client, one who's not going to pay as much, you're actually making more money. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't sound intuitive, but it's actually saying no. call it fast cash, mm-hmm. you know, saying no to fast cash, low paying, not ideal clients opens up your time to find those higher value clients. Mm-hmm. And very quickly, if you focus on those high value, high profit clients, you're going to fill your docket with them and you will make more money. It's as mm-hmm. simple as that. I mean, it's basic math. I've always right. been a math person. So I, the math is what helps me get mm-hmm. over the fears. <laughs> right. So I usually try to use that to help other people mm-hmm. as well. Well, and you use math in the book and, and, you know, and I'm not a math person. I'm one of those, you know, I I can do the math if I have to, but you know, I don't, but it made sense because you said, you know, you need to sit down and figure out exactly what you need, you know, and, and not need just to survive, need to, to, you know, to, to, to survive and thrive might be the, maybe the, one of the easier ways to put it. And then, you know, and so you've got to have your pricing, all of these various things and, you know, figure out also how much time it takes you to do that. And I love the example that you used in your book of the photographer who normally did weddings and did really well at that. And then somebody said, hey, can you do my headshots? And so he thought, okay, well, that's not going to take me long. So I'm not going to charge you very much. Well, not only had he never done headshots. So, you know, he didn't know that this woman was going to appear with, you know, multiple wardrobe changes and didn't know how to do her own makeup and hair for photos, you know, and all those various things. He had no grasp on how much time it would take. And so in essence, he lost money. He lost a lot of money um, because that project took him so long. And I think we all get caught in that, you know, that the, oh, well, we'll fill that need for you, but it might take me five times as long because... It's the fast money type of client. Well, it's not fast money. You you wasted a whole lot of your time on them. 
Yeah, and that's a great example also of somebody not really understanding the value of their own time and the opportunity cost of doing that project. So, you know, he's a great example of, okay, what could you have done in all those hours instead? See, a lot of people, especially free, you know, freelance minded people think, well, it's a few hundred dollars I wouldn't have had before. So in the end, I made money. Okay, but if you had spent those however many hours doing something that could potentially get you a $5,000 client, you just lost Mm $5,000. And and there's no two ways around it. And I don't think that most people see that Mm -hmm. uh, because it's it's a little too abstract. Mm -hmm. um, And it's not as concrete as, oh, well, $300 in my hand versus a potential $5,000. But then if you multiply that over many, many times, Every few couple hundred dollar project that takes up all your time. I mean, how many $5,000 clients are you not getting? Mm -hmm. So I think opportunity cost is, I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite concepts because Mm -hmm. it allows me to really concretely see how important it is to say no to those cheap clients outside of your niche Mm -hmm. and how valuable that, that no really is. Right. You know, and, and especially when we're starting out, time is one of those things that's very hard to figure out. And, you know, one of my big things is I tell people, think about your networking and you talk about networking in your book. One of the, the things that I talk about is the fact, you know, when I'm working with people is the, the whole time that you're doing, you know, is it an hour's drive where you're going to sit there for an hour and then an <laughs> hour drive back and then, you know, 15, 20 minutes at least to get your mind back in it. So you lost half a day. And did you even make any good contacts and you had icky chicken? Um, you know, and, and then they, that they get, you know, and it's funny. Sometimes they get the icky chicken more than, you know, they lost a whole bunch of time. But, you know, so again, you know, maybe you should have spent that time online or, you know, one of the things you point out is, you know, use that time differently, like giving presentations, all these various things. So I think that's, and it, that's hard for entrepreneurs to figure those things out because, you know, when we're, when we're new, we're told, oh, you have to network and you have to network and you have to net. Well, you know, I, we could, we could go every, every day to multiple things. And I learned a long time ago, no, I mean, I, I do at the most one evening thing just because I don't like evening things. You know, I'm not going to enjoy myself. And I really look at, am I going to get something out of getting, getting dressed? Because hello, you know, I'm here in my jeans and my sweats or, you know, my t-shirt. And, you know, so if I have to get dressed and have to get in the car and have to drive across Atlanta traffic and yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, all of those things. Now, if it's a good speaker, that's, that's good. But. Could I get that somewhere else? Could I read their book? Could I find them online? Um, or am I going to really make good contacts that are going to lead to things? And I hate to say this for all the networking people out there. Usually it's not networking. I mean, you know, we, the people who are serial networkers, they're serial networkers and that's what they're using and, and filling their time with. Yeah, that's usually their marketing strategy. And I've seen people, um, I went to an event recently and saw all the people I networked with, because I, I did that too. I networked so much mm-hmm. for a good year and a half. That was the only way I knew how to get clients and it didn't really work, but I did, I did really, uh, put a lot of effort into it and it is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to an event like a couple months ago and I knew everyone there because you know, five, six years ago, I used to be, be at all these events. Right. They're still all there. Mm -hmm. And some of them have been doing this and part of their chapter or whatever organization it is 
for 15 years. Um, And to me, networking can be very powerful in the short term, as an especially when you're first starting out. Um, It's a great way. I like to look at networking as having you need to have multiple values for it. So Mm -hmm. I usually coach people into saying into going to networking events, especially when they they're kind of still crafting their message Mm -hmm. just to build their confidence in how they deliver their elevator pitch. I say that's a great reason to network. Mm -hmm. Go out there and you say what you do to a 100 different people, because by that hundredth person, you're going to just sound so much more confident. Mm -hmm. You're going to refine your, your wording and and verbiage a little bit more. So that's a great reason because you're meeting people and you're getting this other value. But if it's, if that's your only strategy, um, you'll always have to network because you're not planting any seeds. You're just showing your face. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, you know, I love it when you actually, you know, maybe you've seen that person every single month for however many months, you know, or, or weekly. I mean, you know, there are a lot of groups that meet weekly. Mm-hmm. And if you went up to one of those people and said, introduce me to that person and tell them what I do, could they? And most of the time they can't, which is sad. You know, and, and, mm-hmm. and I fall into that trap too, because we go only with the, the purpose of telling people about us. Mm-hmm. We're not going there to learn how we can help other people, you know, and, and, um, you know, and I've, I've had to do that in groups before where you had to introduce the person next to you and we all went, <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> it was. It's embarrassing because everyone says that they go to help mm-hmm. other people. That's right. kind of <laughs> and the then story. We're, you know, I'm like, okay, his name is, I got that one down because he's got a name tag on. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, and, so, you know, and, and I networked a lot when we first moved to Atlanta because I was new here. I needed to get out. I needed to meet people. But then I drew back, you know, after a year, you know, I think, and actually it was when the dues came due again. That was a really good place for me to think, where am I getting value? Yeah, and, you know, and, and in many cases, it was not at those organizations. And so I dropped a lot of them, you know, and, and, and that was, you know, for one thing, that saved a lot of time, that saved a lot of money. But it was one, of, and people went, ooh, you don't belong to X chamber anymore? No, you know, I, I'm sorry, I just didn't see a value in it. And they look at you like, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had, I had a similar experience. And I, and I, trash talk networking quite a bit in a lot of my articles and writing. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and I do it not because there's, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with somebody Mm -hmm. doing it. It's just that I don't necessarily think, and I'm probably projecting also when I was networking, Mm -hmm. I didn't really get what I was not doing Mm -hmm. and, and how I was spending so much time. And, and also to be honest, going to events sometimes where, you know, you're tired and you see some people, you know, and you just kind of, you know, I'm just going to go over here and talk to these, oh, you know, yeah. friends. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I could have been doing anything else. I could have mm-hmm. just been relaxing right. at home with my husband. Yeah. Uh, nothing was happening that was valuable, mm-hmm. but I just spent like all evening, you're right, getting mm-hmm. dressed up and going to this thing and having to, you know, eat the bad chicken. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> That's why I at least always look and see what the speaker is. You know, am, am, am I going to get a little something out of it? Right, right. But, you know, it, it's coming back to, to really defining who that target market is. And, and of course, the tricky thing with networking is that's a whole bunch of people who probably the majority aren't your target market. 
Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the hard part to realize is, you know, we're, we're not aiming for everybody. And I love how you talk about the fact that you absolutely have to get it down to these small niches. And, and then that's basically the only people that you deal with. Um, you've got a whole chapter in your book on how to say no to people. I love you as you say, <laughs> say no to fa- family and friends. <gasps> We've all fallen into that trap, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but saying no is, is, one of the best things that we can do both for the potential clients and for us. So talk a little bit more about that because that's hard. I mean, that comes back to turning business away. You might make people upset. You might be turning money away, all those various things. Yeah, I preach say no a lot, uh, mostly because uh, it's freeing yourself up. So mm-hmm. some of the best advice I ever got was actually from a video. I don't even know where I saw it, but I saw it a long time ago. And he said to uh, on the video, he said, you have a bunch of things on your calendar. Ask yourself for every single thing you're supposed to do. What would happen if I didn't do it? And if nothing would happen, don't do it. Right. <laughs> and that is a- another way of saying say no to stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's a more macro uh, micro example. But I started saying no to more and more things because mm-hmm. I started thinking of it like that. Networking is a good example. Mm-hmm. Bad clients are an example. When you say no to a ba- to a client who's not going to pay you well, you're actually freeing yourself up and you and you understand that you can do other more valuable things mm-hmm. or you can literally uh, recharge, mm-hmm. you know, uh, read a book, enjoy right. yourself. I mean, what you know, life is is short <laughs> and it's a cliche but it, it's true and and you're not an entrepreneur just to hustle away your whole life you'd mm-hmm. rather have fewer better clients and saying no is the only way to get that because if you say yes to everything and i think that for a while i personally thought oh say yes to the day say yes to everything that sounded very inspiring but oh, what yes. that does Kumbaya. yeah it is and then i felt like a yes person i'm gonna grab life by the reins <laughs> but you end up very busy doing a lot of things that are not very valuable and you end up sacrificing other mm-hmm. things that are valuable. Mm-hmm. So um, so no is one of the biggest, the best words that an entrepreneur can learn. And you have to be unapologetic about saying no to things that are not going to drive you forward towards your goals. Right. You know, and it, it comes in volunteering also, you know, because many or many times we belong to organizations, whether it's personal or professional, and they find out, oh, you can do this. And, you know, and, and then, you know, and so you get approached to do it. <laughs> Sometimes telling them no really is the best thing to do. And and it's funny because I've gotten much better about doing that. Um, I've, I've recently experienced some, some illness issues and it really made me stop and rethink a lot of things. And, and a big part of that is to say no. You know, if it's, mm-hmm. if it's either, maybe it's just something I don't want to do, you know, and, and, <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, there are things that that we just don't want to do, but we get guilted into doing them. Um, you know, and, and, or, you know, I'm, I'm very clear with people. I don't typically work evenings and weekends. Mm -hmm. Am I still checking my email? Am I saying, yes, I'm still doing all of that stuff. But if, uh, and especially in volunteering, you know, if somebody that I volunteer for contacts me on, say, a Sunday evening and says, I need you to do X, I, I won't even respond. You know, I wait until Monday and then I tell them, you know, I'm a volunteer. I'm volunteering to do this on a business basis. Therefore, it goes with my business hours. And they very quickly learn they don't pester me Sunday evenings, you know, and, and, and now obviously there are emergencies. There are things sometimes that you have to do just, you know, like you have to do in life. But 
it works out so much better because when we don't say no, then we build up all those nasty resentments. You know, mm-hmm. And then, then you know, that little voice says, they just take advantage of you. And then the next time they say something, you bite their head off and then everybody's <laughs> So, you know, saying no is not a bad thing. Yeah, and that's actually really great. I I appreciate that story because I think that you and people end up resentful of doing favors. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was talking about in my book about the friends and doing favors. It actually doesn't create a good situation for either person. Mm-hmm. And I find that when I've done favors for people and then they don't act exactly how I want, I become resentful. Right. But then instead, I've tried to learn from that and take responsibility for that, mm-hmm. you know. And when I give because when I donate my time to things, I only do it in a way where I'm happy with how I'm donating my time mm-hmm. and it's within my parameters. You know, right. this is, this is based on me and therefore I don't need anything from you. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to give like, uh, you know, selflessly mm-hmm. and I don't, and I don't require anything back because if I require, it's almost like gift giving in general. Right. Um, you know, it's like you don't give the gift for the thank you. You give mm-hmm. the gift because you enjoy giving the mm-hmm. gift. And if you need the thank you, then you're probably going to be disappointed if you don't get it the way you're going to get it. So I would prefer, and that's why people who, by the way, donate their time in order to get business later, never, they never get what they were looking for. Um, and, and that's an unfortunate carrot that people, uh, you know, put in front of, especially new business owners, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, if you do this design for free, then we'll put your logo on this banner and then you'll get clients. You know, no one's ever gotten a client from their logo being on the banner for free work Mm -hmm. that they did. Um, nor do, do clients tend to, uh, you know, free clients tend to refer you with great, uh, with a great referral because you did work for them for free. So they don't have that kind of respectful relationship right. with you. And it's not their fault. It's just, that's the relationship you manifested mm-hmm. with them because you did this work for free. So I prefer to build the high profit business that allows you a lot of free time and then pick and choose the ways that you give back in a way mm-hmm. that feels good for you and doesn't require anything back from the other right. side. Right. So, you know, and, and that's hard. I mean, it, it really is hard because we do. We get guilted into things and, and all these various things. But saying no really is freeing. I mean, it's like, this is, this is fun. I'm going to say this more often. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, yeah it, it is about being strategic. And, you know, and, and it's about doing it for yourself. Um, you know, and, and uh, it is selfish. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just going to own that and, and say that's that's what that is. Because if I'm doing it because I've been guilted into it or all those various things, I'm not going to do my best work. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just what it comes down to. So then they're not going to be happy. So no wonder I don't get out of it what I was thinking. Because, you know, I only put, you know, 30% of my effort into it because, you know, I really didn't want to be there. You know, and, and so, yeah, if I could have said, you know what? Just I'm 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 just gonna tell you no and you, and just say no. <laughs> yeah, there was that campaign that was out there. You really don't need to explain because to be honest, they probably don't care. I mean, you know, you you don't need to say I don't have time because da, 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 da. you know they don't care. This the second you said no, they're they're over you. Um, so it's it's okay and move on and let them move on to a better fit also. I agree. I mean, there are other people who will do things for free. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> or will do their project and be a better fit. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just as much when you're saying no to clients that are outside of your 
niche, mm-hmm. you're doing them a favor too. You're saying, right. look, I'm I'm not the best person for you. Mm-hmm. You you should go find the person who's a perfect fit for you. You're going to get more value out of that. Right. Um, and I think that saying no in those situations actually also really helps build your integrity and your reputation because you know, people are surprised when you turn them down because people are so used to everybody wanting their money no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody says to you, actually, I'm not a good fit, you can't hire me, that person remembers you and they go, wow, that person had Mm -hmm. enough integrity in their value to say Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't do my project. I've gotten some of my best referrals from people I've said no to. Right. You know, and sometimes it helps if you can give them somebody else to talk to, you know, so, you know, maybe I try, you know, yeah, you know <laughs> like you, guys, you don't design websites, but you might have other people you can refer them to. Of course, then that gets into a whole different, you know, area, um, you know, and, and yeah, so again, it's just to say no and do it respectfully. Um, so, but let's, let's, let's go the other way. How do we find those right clients that, you know, how do we attract them? Well, I think that it's all about really owning your what is so badass about you. Mm -hmm. And that's really where this whole badass thing comes from. Um, I define badass branding as having two main characteristics. One, you must be uh, magnetically attracting your ideal clients and okay being misunderstood or even disliked by everyone else. You Mm -hmm. have to be okay repelling people. And that takes guts. And Mm -hmm. that is what a lot of people are not willing to do. Mm -hmm. But when you have that, you have this very strong push-pull where the people that are coming into your sphere are not a bunch of dabblers. They're people who are genuinely excited to talk about to you because Mm -hmm. they relate to what you're saying. They what The way that you speak, the things that you're saying really resonate with them. And so they're there's so much farther down, you know, the sales pipeline, so to speak, because mm-hmm. you're just already singing their, you know, right. song, you're, you're right. speaking their language. They're so, ready to sign on that dotted line. Yeah. And it, it's so amazing and freeing to have that kind of pull because in my experience, you know, worse, we're, our company is worst of all designed up. Uh, obviously, some people don't get that. Right, right. <laughs> and so, why I love it. I think that's so cute. Worst of all. <laughs> <laughs> worst of all design. So, so, you know, obviously, we're, we're playing with a lot of things in that name, mm-hmm. but the, the emails and the inquiries that I get, people are usually, you know, a fanatic about it. They're mm-hmm. like, I love your name. <laughs> you know, right. oh, it's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. And everybody else who goes, I don't get it. Why wouldn't you be best of all design? I'm like, it's cool. You're just not my client. It's not, right. there's nothing right or wrong about uh-huh. it. So, uh, so the one first characteristic of a badass brand is you need to attract and mm-hmm. repel. Mm-hmm. And the second is that you charge a premium price, which means you can charge more than the competition and still win the business. Mm-hmm. And you are able to do this when you are magnetically attracting fans mm-hmm. because there's no more, there's not a lot of convincing going on. When right. you're a same, same brand, you have to convince mm-hmm. why you're going to be better than the other guy who's down the street who looks a lot like you and maybe he's cheaper. Right. So it, you get away from that completely and you, and people become much less price sensitive. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And you know, we all know that no like trust feature and mm-hmm. this is, is a different level of that. You know, and, and I think that's, you know, something that is hard for people to understand is it really is upping that. You know, it's not that, ooh, I know Pia and I trust that she's going to do great work. It's she's going to do fabulous work because she gets me, you know, and, and, and I get her, you know, however that, that kind of goes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and 
so that's that is that's hard for people because again we want to make the most money we want to serve the most clients but the key is if you're serving the right clients you'll have the right amount of them mm-hmm. you, know, you may end up turning business away which that's you know if you're turning business away because you've got the right clients and you got too many right clients well that's really the best thing to do then but, you raise your price <laughs> yeah you know and yeah and and that's and of course that's really hard you know it's like you know and and but yeah you know if you're trying to serve everybody again you're not going to serve anybody um, you know, and, and, uh, so it's, I, I love, and I want to read this statement. This is, is what's on your website. So badass brands require guts because being loved by some means being misunderstood and even disliked by others. You mentioned that they stand against something as much as they stand for something. Badass brands are brave, sometimes irreverent and always unapologetic for they for in it they gain a kind of loyal following that can't be bought only earned i want that to sink into people you know this loyal following and this unapologetic you know this is me this is who i am this is the type of work the type of business that i do um i mentioned before we started the program that somebody wanted to be on the program one time and she swore like a sailor just not going to work with what I do. But that was her. That was her brand. And she was totally unapologetic for it. And she knew that if she had to tone that back, she wasn't going to be her anymore. You know, and, and we see that with products. We see that with services where they really are. That's uh, this is us. This is what we do. We are not going to compete with the Joneses. Mm. And those end up being the, the you know, the, the, the best, the most, um, you know, and, and in there is one of these other things that you talk about in your book. And that's personality. You know, and, and I mentioned at the start of the program, your your photos, you know, you're not there in your suit. You know, I mean, you, you're, you got a jacket on, but, you know, it's a leather <laughs> jacket. Right. And, you know, you've got these cool pictures. I love all of these pictures. And, Thank you know, you. and in your book, you've got, you know, some examples of people who went from wearing the suits to jeans and, and things like that. And, and I've kind of gone through that transition. Part of it was forced. You know, I, I ended up losing a whole boatload of weight and then I was just too cheap to buy a bunch of suits again. Um, and I thought, you know, I didn't like suits and suits made me look like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I might wear a jacket. Now I do, you know, I did buy a suit because sometimes you do have to wear the suit. But, you know, I won and I gave away 30, you know, and, and I go to business meetings. I go to business meetings in jeans in, you know, now they're nice jeans, you know, and, and they, you know, they're clean, you know, all those various things. But that person I was before I got sick doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And, you know, and, and, Actually, it's the same person. It's just now I'm, I'm feeling freer to be me. And it's kind of sad that I had to get sick to find that out. But at the same point, it's, yeah, it's like, you know what? I'm not going to be like everybody else. And that's what I'm trying to get across is for everybody out there. We need to not be like everybody else. And it's hard because sometimes you will be in an event wearing your jeans or, um, you know, I, I, I don't curse much, but when I do, it's to, it's to make a point. And I've cursed on stage before and had mm-hmm. people come up to me after and say, I don't think that was professional. And, <laughs> and I've had other people come to my, 
to my defense and say, that's exactly what she was saying. You're not mm-hmm. her client. Right. And it creates this push pull again, mm-hmm. because the people who are turned off by that, who say you shouldn't be wearing jeans to this event, um, are not your clients either. Right. And, mm-hmm. and better to know that upfront than to waste time with people who are, mm-hmm. you're trying to figure it out. And now we have to have all these conversations before we get to the point that, you know, you are, I don't know, really uptight and you think that I need to be wearing a jacket. There's plenty of people out there for you. Go find those people, you know, leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I talk to people about this, about social media all the time that, you know, we have to be authentic to ourselves Mm -hmm. and, you know, and realize that sometimes it means we lose friends, clients, potential clients, um, you know, because we're posting politics, we're posting, um, you know, basketball, we're posting all these various things where that, that could be polarizing. And, you know, and, and you might lose people, you know, I've, I've shared before that I was working with this young woman one time who was um, working on her, her online presence and, and in her photos, she, she was, she was young, I mean, college age, and, and she had a, a t-shirt on that said proud Muslim. And I told her, I said, you know, here in the States, that can cause some issues. And she said, that's fine. It wouldn't be anybody I'd want to work with anyway. I went, okay, as long as you realize that. Um, and so bless her. I mean, she knew she was being unique and she was like 19 years old. Um, you know, and, but it's true. You know, if, if I have to wear a suit to a business meeting, and, and, or dress like that every time I go meet with them. You know, maybe the first time you want to be kind of a little impressive or something like that. But yeah, if I, if it comes back to, if I have to be something I'm not, then it's not a good fit. Yeah. And, and especially because your authenticity will come through at some mm-hmm. point <laughs> and then it won't, and it'll just be farther down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just wasted all this time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, but it come, you know, we are taught. From ground one, you know, when you start in business, again, you have to look like everybody else, all these various things. A friend of mine posted, you know, samples of her new headshots on social media, on Facebook. And she's, and it was, you know, which ones do you like the best? And, you know, some of them were, you know, she was very serious. And, you know, she was, you know, your typical executive business headshot pose. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one that she could have been on a playground playing. And, my first thought was, well, that's not very professional. But then I thought, wait a minute, that's her. And, you know, and, and that's the image that she went with, I think. I'm, you know, I'm, and now I'm going to have to look and, and see. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, we have to. We absolutely have to put our personalities in there because I don't want to work with somebody that's going to give me the same thing that everybody else can. Right. And especially, you know, it comes down to what her brand is and mm-hmm. who she's trying to service and what kind of clients she's trying to right attract as well. So it's really just about being congruent about who you are and who you want to work with and and matching up with it. So mm-hmm. being really unapologetically you mm-hmm. uh, it is how you're going to resonate with other people who get who you are and, and similarly, you know, appreciate right. you. you. Mm-hmm. And those are the best clients. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned the word congruent, you know, because it does have to go through everything. You know, if, if I looked at, at say, your, you know, after talking with you and knowing that you're, you're dealing with badass brands, if, and, and that actually is your website name, you know, and, and, but if I went and the pictures of you were very business, very suit, I think, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Therefore, <laughs> right. how is she going to be able to help me? Um, you know, and because, it, yeah, and, and so it's, it's gotta be something that carries through with everything that you do. 
Yes, yes. Congruency is a huge piece of this. And that's actually why we don't even give clients an option. We take over and do all the pieces of the brand. So Mm -hmm. it's much like when we work with clients, there's no piecemeal. We won't do any sort of piecemeal projects. It's all or nothing because Mm -hmm. to us, if you don't get it all right, you're not going to get it right at all. Right. You know, and, and that's part of the pricing. You know, you you are able to, and, and you do charge more because you're doing all of it. And somebody might think, oh, well, I could go to Fiverr for something. And <clears throat> I've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. You know, yeah. You know, <laughs> too. It, it no, has its purpose. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and so I could go to Fiverr for this and my friend could do that and did it, you know, and all these various things. But then it doesn't pull together right. You know, and, and we've all seen businesses like that, right, where we look at them and we think, what? You know, and, and it just makes no sense. And so why not just start by doing it all to start with? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of uh, designers specifically really hate on services like Fiverr because they think that they're pushing down the value of design. And I, I see it completely differently. I think there is a time and place. There's a, dem- mm-hmm. a supply and demand for that kind of work. And you know what? When you're just starting out, like I said, we don't we don't work with startups. When you're just right. starting out, you shouldn't hire us. You know, mm-hmm. you you need to just get something out there. And Fiverr is mm-hmm. the best place. You don't have a lot of money. Get, get something going. You can right. come to us when you're ready. And mm-hmm. so I don't see it as uh, you know, hurting the, the economy at all, mm-hmm. the gig economy. I see it as an opportunity for people who are better to actually be better and, and deliver more value and be able to charge more and people who can't afford it or don't want to. Again, just not your clients. You just need right. to get comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny that the intro and the outro to this, this program is a guy on Fiverr. I knew exactly what I wanted to say to match everything, but I didn't know anybody who had the voice to do mm. it. And so that's why I went to Fiverr. Now, it took me a while to find somebody, you know, that, that really was going to, to do it the way I wanted. But yeah, you know, it was, it, and that was, so that kind of just filled that little hole was I needed that voice in order to, to fill that. I've actually used it for voiceover stuff too. Mm-hmm. And I've had, and sometimes you, I've paid, you know, three or four people. Mm-hmm. And then the one that I like, I right. use. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's still cost effective, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, but you, it's, yeah. it's a very specific kind of project because you know, ex- you are the expert. You know yes. exactly what you're looking mm-hmm. for. It's very different if you're hiring someone, for example, to make a logo and they need to bring their expertise. Mm-hmm. Fiverr generally isn't the best place for that. But if you know exactly what you want, yeah, get some designer mm-hmm. to do it. Like, great. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that you talk about in your book, and I I love this because, you know, I've, you know, it is something that I am struggling with. And and so I'm going to go back, I'm going to read your book, and you've got a great workbook that's going to go along with this and, and all of these things. But you talk about having a bullseye product. What do you mean by that? So specifically for my service niche, um, I really see a lot of value in owning a process. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that it's it's the best use of your time. It's the best. It's the way to be most efficient with your time. It's mm-hmm. the way to build your skills and expertise the fastest. Mm-hmm. So I look at the bullseye product as essentially being your main offering, your main productized service that you have a process in place for that you actually continually increase the value of. You get better and better at it because every client you work with, you mm-hmm. put through this process. Right. And this allows you to very quickly build a reputation on that process, increase the price, increase the value. And this is how you build a very profitable, you know, small service business very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, 
what I loved about it was that it is just that one thing. And of course, the hard part is, again, we want to be everything to everyone. <laughs> so we want to have all of these various products and, and services. So you can have a couple, you know, other little things that, that are in there. But when you have just one thing that you can focus on, it's great. And the, one of the, the things that I really took away from it was, are there things in there that you can automate? You know, are there templates? You know, are there things that will help you save time? And, you know, we, we were talking about time at the very start of the program. How can you best use your time? Um, you know, and, and I really love the fact that you say you don't respond to requests for proposals. I haven't done that in years. I hated that. I hated <laughs> requests for proposals because it was an easy way for people to get a lot of free work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And I'm, I'm on a mission to help, uh, you know, especially small designers and branders just stop doing pro- proposals mm-hmm. completely. I right. think they're completely unnecessary. Um, and some people will require them. And again, not your client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had to sign ones where they said, you know, they got to keep the information that we put in the proposal. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. You know, and, yeah. And actually we didn't do those. I read those. I went, yeah, smart. No, you're not keeping my work. Um, I think one of the worst ones I ever dealt with, and this was many years ago. And I, I actually think this person is no longer in business. So I can talk about this. He, he wanted, uh, uh, uh branding, you know, and, and a, a full marketing, you know, all sorts of things. He was a brand new business and, you know, but he was, he was, you know, contacting different agencies and yes, we had to submit proposals and yada, yada, yada. And, Initially, when I met with him, I thought, hmm, I don't like him. I mean, it, it really was, and I don't know why. There wasn't, there was just one of those feelings that I had that I just thought, I don't like this guy. And, and I'm not sure I really want to work with him, but, you know, new business, needed the business, blah, 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 you know, all those various things. And so, but what really clinched it was he came back to me and he said, you know, got your proposal, liked it, but, you know, we always like the butts because mm-hmm. somewhere in there, they're going to ask for more work, less money. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he said was, I really liked a proposal I got from somebody else. Can you implement it? Oh, my gosh. And he sent it to me <sighs> and he'd redacted out so their tacky. names, except in one place. And and so and they happen to be people I knew. I mean, you know, it's, it's in this world. It actually is a very small world. And I contacted him and I said, you need to know what this schmuck did. Um, you know, and, and because they'd put a ton of work into their proposal, I could tell that they'd really researched it. And he did. He told me, he said, I want you to implement it. And of course, you know, I told him, no, absolutely not. And I told him, I said, this was unethical. I mean, you know, and he was furious. You know, he was just, and then of course he found out I told them and he was really mad. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it, that comes back to getting that right client, that ideal client. I knew from the start it wasn't going to work. And so I should have just said, no, nope, I'm not going to spend the time on this. But how many times do we, as business owners, still go through that process? And your point in being this badass brand is you won't even be dealing with those people. No, and I actually really, um, I, I detail this in my book, but I really try to encourage people to get, quote, paid to pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first step in my process is something called a brand shrink and it's $2,000. So after a 15 minute conversation, it's very clear to me whether or not you're a good fit for my Mm-hmm. for my process. And I'll say either you're not right. or um, you are. And the first step is the brand shrink. And here's the link. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Um, so, you know, the most people get from me is really 15 minutes because mm-hmm. that's all I need. And then right. the brand shrink is where I fully understand all the nuances of their business. And mm-hmm. I solve a problem for them. The deliverable is valuable in and of itself. And actually, mm-hmm. 
too valuable because people started buying this without any intention of hiring us. And it's not quite worth it, actually, at mm-hmm. this point. Um, so I've started kind of backtracking a little bit and mm-hmm. saying, OK, only if you have at least some intention of, of mm-hmm. doing the full brand up. Um, but the point is that it, it, if they don't go forward or if it doesn't make sense after all, it's fine. I got paid two thousand dollars to mm-hmm. give them some some value. They got value and we're all happy. But when you do the proposal, then there's a lot of bad feelings in there. I just did mm-hmm. a whole bunch of work for you and then you disappeared. So right. uh, and now I'm I'm waiting to hear back and this uncomfortable. Hey, just wanted to check in. I mean, those mm-hmm. emails that make you cringe that you have to send because you don't because people are so rude. They ask you for proposals and then they just will never say anything again right. and they'll hire someone else and not mm-hmm. often have the courtesy to even tell you. Mm-hmm. I hired someone else. So right. I've, I've been on the other side of that mm-hmm. so many times and this has solved it for me. And I haven't done a proposal in years. Right. Well, and I love in your book, you talk about kind of having that lead product mm-hmm. where it kind of gets them in the door and, and you figure out yes or no, but you have charged for it. So it's not the, I'll give you the, you know, one hour free consultation, which <laughs> I, had, you know, I need to do away with that. But you know, it, it, you can, like you said, you can figure out in, in a quick 15 minutes, but then, you know, there is that kind of put your money where your mouth is. You know, if you're interested in working with me, we'll go a little bit further, then we'll go full blown into it. But, you know, th- this working for free stuff, people have got to stop doing it. Yeah. And I think that it takes a little bit of time to really build the confidence in order to charge for these things. And, you know, my brand shrink is my lead product and mm-hmm. we started by charging six fifty for it. So the prices go up and mm-hmm. that's part of this whole system of really owning your expertise is you can always be raising the price. So right. that's kind of an incentive to get better and better at it as well. Uh, but I find that you can almost always implement a lead product in service businesses. And I've done it in so many businesses at this point where it has just changed changed the way that the business operates mm-hmm. and it's just changed the way that they spend their time and I just love it. So I'm on a mission to spread this, <laughs> to spread this idea. It. Well, and it's funny, you mentioned something that I actually had written down as one of my notes and we're just not going to have enough time to really discuss it. So <laughs> it just means we have to have you on again. <laughs> and that's, are you a service provider or are you an expert? And that's really, I mean, that's, that's the crux of all of this is, you know, are you just providing a service that anybody can get anywhere a little bit difference in price, a little bit difference here or there, or are you the expert? And hello, we're, we all want to be the experts. Yeah, that's a huge, I mean, it goes hand in hand with all the other things we're talking about. Um, and one of many definitions of that is that service providers are selling their time. So hourly work, um, not able to really bring the strategy and the high level consulting to the project, but instead say, well, whatever you want, I'll just do it and I'll just charge you hourly. And I find that it puts the service provider in a very weak position and where you really want to go. And if you want to have no income uh, ceiling is to go to expert where you're actually brought in for your strategic thinking and you're the one who gives the, the who solves the problem as opposed to right. doing whatever they mm-hmm. say. Um, and that's where you make the real money. Mm-hmm. And you'll do fewer of those. Yes. But you'll be making more. So you know, that's, usually that's you'll be more fulfilled. I mean, how many times have we worked for clients, worked on projects and, you know, I mentioned it, you know, whether it's volunteer, whether it's paid, and we thought, I really don't want to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And so we just don't do our best work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> we can talk about this for hours. But I know, <laughs> but we've got two minutes left. 
<laughs> um, you know, and, and so quick, fast, tell yes. people how they find you and connect with you online. And then we want to make sure that, that we tell them where they can get your book. Oh, great. Um, well, thank you. Uh, well, you can connect with me on social. I'm at Pia Loves Your Biz, B-I-Z. Um, and I truly, truly do love your biz. So I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can also, I put up a page for your listeners, Deb, at badassyourbrand.com mm-hmm. backslash business power hour. And if mm-hmm. you go there, not only can you download a free chapter, the first chapter of my book, where I really talk about how we pivoted from a Me Too brand to the business we are today, but I'm also going to share with you my brand shrink interview. So that lead product, it's like I pay, I charge $2,000 to give it and I'm just Mm going to give you guys the questions. So if you're wondering what your brand is, you can, it's, it's pretty hefty, but you can go through this questionnaire and you'll definitely learn some things about your business. So um, I'm definitely going to do that because as (laughs) I mentioned, I, you know, I'm, it's not that I'm struggling. It's that I'm rebranding, you know, you you about die a couple of times and you think, Oh, Hey, maybe we should do life a little bit different. Um, and And you can answer these questions over and over again and get a lot of value out of it, no matter where you are in business. So I I look forward to seeing what you think about it, Deb. Yeah, it'll be so much fun. And then maybe what we need to do is have you on again and talk about the results and, and, you know, uh, you know, some go through some things like that. That would be, that would be really fun. Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, you know, do you want to leave folks with one last thought? Yeah. Embrace your badassery. It is always going to work out better for you if you do that. So get over your fears and let's do this. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a wonderful time talking with Pia Silva. Can't wait to do it again. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.